Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's Carl from the Keep It Renal podcast here. I am so sorry there's been such a gap between episodes. I recently changed research projects and I've just been finding it really hard to find the time um, to sit down and get the editing done. But alas, we're here. This is our latest episode, which is an interview with Courtney Lightfoot from the University of Leicester. Uh, She's a mixed methods researcher with an interest in living well with a chronic condition. Uh, And her particular interest is around education for patients. And she's been involved in launching the app My Kidneys and Me. My Kidneys and Me is a theory and evidence-based online programme which is designed to improve self-management behaviours, which aims to increase patient activation, reduce health risks, manage symptoms and increase physical function. It's basically a way of empowering patients to really get on board with their own care uh, and take charge of their own exercise regime in complete confidence that the programme's been overseen by professionals and experts that really understand their condition and can really help them achieve what they want to achieve. It's really great to talk to Courtney today and I think you can really hear her passion and her excitement um, for this app. She's going to take us through the various decisions that they made when thinking about what the app should be um, and the structure of a clinical trial to look at the efficacy of this app. So I hope you enjoy hearing what she's got to say and I will see you on the other side. So I'm Courtney Lightfoot, I'm a mixed methods researcher uh, working in the Leicester Kidney Lifestyle team and my interests are particularly around self-management and living well with a chronic condition. Cool and um, so are you are you a scientist or a clinician or? A, a scientist, um, so my undergraduate degree was in sports health and exercise science Um, And then I did a master's in exercise rehab, which had a focus on using exercise to manage chronic conditions. Um, And then my PhD was in orthopaedic rehab um, and I changed clinical practice, um, which I guess is a good achievement. Uh, Yeah, I'd say, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so it was around um, what's... uh, called hip precautions so they're post-operative movement restrictions that patients are given after a total hip replacement Um, and they're usually advised to follow them for six weeks and they're quite limiting so um, you can't bend your knee more than 90 degrees you can't cross your legs so as you can imagine they have a huge impact on people's everyday lives Um, they've been around for a very 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 long time um, since the 1960s Um, But as you can imagine, surgery has changed a lot since then. Um, And so my PhD was on that. So we removed them from clinical practice um, within a clinical trial to uh, investigate, you know, the effect of them, um, whether they work or they don't work, um, and what patient outcomes were like, uh, comparing two groups. So patients who followed them and patients who didn't. That's really cool. That's a massive (laughs) outcome to get from your PhD. (laughs) I'm pretty sure my thesis is just gathering dust sat in the <laughs> library to never be seen again. So that's that's really cool that you've yeah. got that. Yeah, so no, it's 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 really nice and obviously really rewarding that patients are now able to. I mean, they they obviously can't do as much as they want to when they have surgery because obviously it's a big surgery. Um, but now they're not restricted. Um, they're just restricted by their pain. 
um, and what's comfortable and what isn't comfortable. Um, but yeah, so it, it's it's great. And they are still continuing with the new regime now. Um, so that's really good. Uh, and more hospitals are changing as well. So that's also really nice as well. So what what attracted you to the to the world of the kidney patient from from an orthopedics background? Um, <laughs> I don't really know, to be honest. I just it's it was more the interest in so it was a post-op position that I applied for and it was just more of an interest in what the role was rather than the disease as such yeah. um, obviously I've always had an interest in chronic diseases um so yeah so it, it it didn't necessarily have to be kidneys or not um but actually now I'm in the kidney world I kind of want to continue in the kidney world because I think that these are um an understudied and kind of underrepresented group um and so my particular interest is around education um, and, you know, teaching people how to, you know, what the chronic condition is and how to manage it and how to live well with it. And I think that doesn't necessarily happen in kidney disease. And I think a lot of people, well, a lot of people don't know that they've got kidney disease if they've got kidney disease. And also if, they've, if they know they've got it, they, there's not a lot of information out there if you compare it to other diseases. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I kind of want to change that. Cool. Actually, <laughs> what, what really piqued my interest was it? Is it my kidneys and me, or me and my kidneys that you said? My kidneys and me. Yeah. Could you talk to me a little bit about that, please? Yeah. So it's um, well, that's basically what my post position is on. Um, is developing a self management program, um, for people with kidney disease. Um, so I developed. I've been developing my kidneys and me for the past two years, really, um, and. It's had huge patient input that my kidneys and me didn't come from me, unfortunately. <laughs> um, it's all driven by patients. Um, that was what the name that they wanted to call it. Um, so, yeah, so it's an online intervention um, to help people um, live well with kidney disease. And um, so there's a huge focus on education. Um, so the educational components range from very basic things, what the kidneys are to what kidney disease is how you can look after your healthcare, the treatment options available. And then there's all different lifestyle components. There's diet, exercise, um, sleep, uh, well-being. So it covers a whole range of, of things. Um, and then there's also um, other components within the program as well. So they're called booster sessions or how-to sessions. So they um, provide strategies and tips and hints of how to put what they've learned in the learning sessions into practice and um, so how they can make changes to their behavior to improve their kidney health and um, how they manage their health care making lifestyle changes um, and then there's health trackers um, so people can track their health and um, different components of their health so their shape um, their blood pressure um, their symptoms um, and there's goal setting features um, that help people set goals so that we've pre-populated some goals already um, so they can even follow those ones. So there's things like about increasing, increasing physical activity, eating more fruit and veg, um, and then they can either add their own goals um, and then there's, they make graphs so they can track their progress over time. Um, there's activity um, features in the programme as well. Um, that enable people to track their physical activity levels um, and then there's um, 
a, a social feature. So there's um, a chat feature which enables them to chat with other users in the program um, about different things. So they have there's different chats. So there's like an exercise chat, a diet chat, a medical chat. Like you know, they could just talk about different things. Um, ask the expert where they can ask us any questions that they may have. Um, so that will come to our team and then they'll get um, diverted essentially to the most relevant person in our team to answer that. And I think what else there is. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's really, really comprehensive actually. <laughs> Feels like it's um, never ending. And I really like the sound that um, that they can, you know, there's the different threads and streams to talk to each other. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the clinical trial design? So the, so the program is going into a randomised control trial that's multi-centred. We've got an inbuilt pilot uh, phase within the study um, to assess the feasibility of it. Um, so that's the first 60 patients. Um, so once the first 60 patients have been through, we're going to kind of pause the study, um, assess all the feasibility outcomes, and hopefully all things are OK. Um, and then we'll complete the full trial. Um, so that's 300 and, no, 432 is our um, sample size. Our primary outcome is patient activation measure. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. No, if you could go over that, that'd be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's a, um, a, a measure that assesses um, an individual's confidence, uh, skills and knowledge in managing their own health on healthcare. Um, so we've recently validated it. The paper is hopefully going to be published very, very soon, um, validating uh, the patient activation measure in kidney patients. Um, so that'll be really good when that comes out. Um, so, yeah, so that's the, the primary outcome of the study. That's good. So really, it's about you're wanting to empower patients and give them a sort of one stop shop for any information they could possibly want. Uh, and if the information's not there, they can either liaise with other patients or yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Ide I, ideally, yeah. So um, it's it's been designed to give patients everything that they theoretically need um, and want. So we've had a lot of patient input into the programme. Um, so we have a PPI group um, who've been heavily involved right from the start um, and have dictated essentially everything that goes in, that's, everything that's gone in there. Um, so ideally it's, you know, and theoretically it's got everything that they should need or want, um, but potentially there are other things out there or things that are being developed that hopefully further down the line, once we know that it works um, and in, in improving patient activation or people's engagement with their uh, health and healthcare, um, then we can link to other resources um, so we have some of our own resources in there that we've developed ourselves, but it would be great to reach out to others um, who've developed other amazing resources as well to link them into the programme. When you've been talking to the patients in, in developing this, is there anything that um, particularly took you by surprise um, in terms of either things that they... Because I think it's hard when you're in the community as a researcher that you think, well, no, the information's out there, but actually is it out there in an accessible format or... I, I, getting at. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So I think the most surprising thing is actually how little people know about it, just about kidney disease in general. Um, and it, I feel like it's somewhat frightening. Um, you know, so some of our PPI groups, so a lot of them have come from primary care um, and they've basically been told that they've got kidney disease and that's it. 
it's you've got kidney disease and see you later um or they don't get told that they've got kidney disease and perhaps they've been told in a different way um so oh your kidneys perhaps aren't working as well as they should and then they go somewhere else they go to a hospital appointment and you know whoever's checking off their medical history is like oh you've got kidney disease and you've and they're like what <laughs> i didn't know i had kidney disease you know if, if if the information's not there you know if you're telling a patient oh you've got kidney disease but actually i have no information to give you it's kind of almost like well what why tell them yeah yeah it, yeah. it just adds more fuel to the fire you know you get patients who are then incredibly worried and i think because it sounds it doesn't sound very nice mm. you, you've got kidney disease disease is a it's not a very nice word and also if you add chronic to it as well i i always think that that's kind of i don't think people truly understand the meaning of chronic and so it then frightens people that they've got this absolutely horrendous disease and you know awful things are going to happen and oh they're going to need dialysis and they're going to have a transplant and actually people don't realize that they can live a pretty normal life and can live reasonably well with kidney disease um and i think that that's that's missed and hopefully that this program kind of fills that gap um and lets people know you know what kidney disease is i mean people don't even know what the kidneys are no, no. Um, which is terrifying we did uh so the university do well obviously it didn't happen last year and i doubt it's going to happen this year but each year they do like a health festival where they just kind of raise awareness of, of different things and what's out there and what's available. Um, so we have a stall and we do various things. and basically teach people about kidneys and kidney disease. Um, and if they've got kidney disease, like how they can live well. Um, and, you know, you ask people what the kidneys are, what the kidneys do, and they don't know. Um, and we did pin the kidneys on the body. <laughs> um and it was so surprising to know that people don't know where they are um so one person like put the kidney like all the way up in their shoulder and it was kind of a bit like oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's almost like i really hope hope not um but then you've got parents there with children it's like a family event so you've got parents with children and it's then the parents don't know so if the parents don't know then they're not telling their children so then the children don't know and then it's this kind of like cycle that just goes on and there's, there's just no information or awareness about it or about how important the kidneys are and why you need to look after them let's um fast forward maybe i mean how long you how long are you thinking it will take to recruit the patients that you'll need or how long um, are you looking for we, we have no idea yeah. um, we we have like a a chart essentially with different recruitment rates for each month so you know whether we recruit 10 people a month or whether we recruit 50 people a month and kind of like a trajectory of how long it's going to take us we probably reckon about 18 months uh, to do the trial um but it just depends like it might snowball and it yeah, might just yeah. get lots of traction lots of information and you know people might be really interested in it because it's not it's not one of our usual studies where it's, we do a lot of exercise studies and exercise is hard work um <laughs> and trying to get patients to engage in an exercise study is really really difficult um and so recruitment's always incredibly difficult for that for this it's it feels quite simple they just have to send send us an email and then 
fill out some questionnaires and then we give them access to the program so they just have to log in and then they just use it um they don't have to go anywhere they can do it from home they can do it in their own time um they can use it how they want to so if they only want to do certain parts of the program then that's okay like it's entirely up to them how they use it um and also they get something from it which i think is quite unique um and it continues after the study so once they finish in the study they still have access to the program for two years oh no um, so yeah so it's kind of there's i feel like it's quite a good incentive yeah, um, yeah. and something a bit different than well at least at least different to what we're usually used to um so hopefully it will it will go well um but we just have no idea because we've never done anything like this before so yeah. we'll see what happens yeah so i suppose actually they're just going to get asked do you want to take part in a study that's going to give you more information and tailored information i can't yeah. imagine why you'd say no really but. yeah so they get like a, a really pretty leaflet so this is what they get given um and this is like our basic information about the study and then they just email us and say I'm interested in doing this and then it just goes from there so it's much nicer than the usual wad of paper that you get given and approached from people um so it, it should hopefully go well but we just don't know yeah, I think that's really cool it's tricky because obviously patient empowerment and patient education is obviously really important. But I've read some papers where the more you identify as a patient with a disease, it can then actually start to have the opposite effect so that you've got to tread this really tight line before you really help a patient understand their illness, but don't overwhelm them that you are a patient and that's what you are now and that's all you are. Yeah. Is that something that enters your mind and how do you sort of navigate that? Yeah, I think it's dependent on how ready the person is to engage with something like this. It can be anything really. So, you know, especially in exercise, it's how ready is a person to engage in, in that type of programme or intervention or whatever it may be. Um, and I think it's just finding the person at the right place and I think that's what's really good about this program is we've tried not to make it too medical and too you're a patient and you've got this and it's kind of more of a this this is what's available here's all the information you can pick and choose what information you look at we're not going to bombard you with everything um you know you can look at it at your own leisure if you decide that you want to have a look at one thing and then suddenly get halfway through it you can stop looking um, and then you can just go through it, you know, however you like. And there's different methods of delivering the information. So we've got it as just pure text. There's images, there's animated videos and there's experts talking about different topics. Um, so it's almost kind of, you know, pitching at different levels of learning um, different methods of learning um, and then people can just choose how they want to engage with it if they want to ignore all the information that's that's fine too um, you know if they decide that okay I'm just going to look at the learning sessions and I'm not interested in looking at the behavior change sessions which are the how-to sessions about putting what they've learned into practice if, the, if they're not ready to do that then that's fine they might be at some point um, but when they first look at it they might not be 
um, which I think is quite good in the fact that they can use it for two years. It's, it's very basic things that we start with and very, very small steps of, okay, this is maybe what the long-term goal is, but how do we get to that long-term goal? What are all the small steps that we need to do in between? And it's kind of helping them take those little tiny steps that then have the bigger change further down the line. And I think it's quite daunting to say to somebody, you know, I want you to do 150 minutes of physical activity a week. You know, that's the guidelines, but that's quite a lot for most people. Most people have never done that much before. Um, so just getting people to say, walk for a couple of minutes a day, then do a little bit more the next day or the next week or, you know, however they feel is appropriate. So there's lots of um, hints and tips and ways to kind of help them deal with that and navigate making those changes and then how to sustain those changes as well. So do you think, and, and we, you'll be able to track all this where you see like which sessions have been accessed when and... Yeah, yeah. So we'll be able to see what the engagement is like with the um, different pages and sessions and how long patients spend on each bit. So it might be that there are certain sessions that they enjoy more um, or ones that they just don't engage with at all. Um, and then obviously further down the line, we can make changes to those. Um, and as part of the study, I mean, there's lots of different components to the study, but part of the study is um, doing some interviews with patients uh, to find out how they found the programme. Um, and so hopefully we'll be able to tease out there as well, you know, what bits they like and what bits they don't like and what bits we need to improve and what we need to get rid of. And yeah, so it's, it's an ever adapting, it will be an ever adapting programme and we'll just have to respond to patient choices and preferences and engagement it's quite funny i was just thinking then about how on some of the um, podcast hosts you can see when people have stopped listening so i'll tell you how many people started listening to the podcast how many made it to the end and where they stopped listening and yeah. if i'm feeling particularly masochistic i can go back in and see what <laughs> what was i talking about when they were like oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so uh yeah just made me think about that but um no, that sounds really really good so is it is in terms of recruitment for your trial is it is it people who are sort of newly or recently diagnosed with kidney disease or are you looking at patients who have perhaps been diagnosed for a longer term as well so so anybody with stage three or four uh, kidney right. disease can take part in the study um so yeah so they, they can either be newly diagnosed or have been diagnosed for however long um, like ideally in the long term it would be that um, either GPs when they diagnose patients with kidney disease or when patients are referred to a nephrologist that they get given the program to use um, that would be the the dream and hopefully it will happen one day <laughs> No, I think it's. I mean, you know, the once you're up, once you're up and running, the running costs compared to the benefit per patient are, they're tiny. Mm. You know, once your resources are all built, and you, you know, you might even get to know, you know, who knows what will come out of the data. You might be able, you might be able to just build programs for people based on, you know, I don't know, demographic factors of of who they are, and you know, when they've been diagnosed and stuff. You know, the the sky's the limit, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can change the information you know, if there are if we find that more people have um been diagnosed for longer and they want different information then we can 
we can do that we can change information or we can add more information or if there's certain things that we've missed that perhaps um people want to know about then we can respond to that and add that information in it's i think that's the good thing about it being online is that you know you don't have to you know if you've got it in print you don't have to recall it and then print loads more things and you know that becomes very very expensive um printing things out um and obviously trying to get it to people as well I, I think that well obviously it depends because some people don't access the internet but I think now more and more people are accessing it, especially since Covid because it's yeah. now almost become not an option yeah um so that's something I'm doing at the moment of kind of got a bit of an interest in it is about remote care and how patients and staff are managing dealing with remote care um and how people feel about it and what we can do in the future to improve uh remote care um because i think it's 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 going to be around now it's yeah it's not going to go we're not going to go back to the way things were before um and i think it's going to become kind of embedded in clinical practice and it'll become routine um but i think yeah it needs to be patient's choice as to how they would like their appointments but i definitely think that there's going to be more scope for for remote appointments and remote care but that's why you that's why you're right to look at it because it, it has its place and depending on the type of person you are and the access to technology you have mm. you know it, it, it's often a better option I, I, you know it's like it's like us talking now i used to go and um uh, visit people and do the recordings but obviously you know I came out to see uh Tom and yeah you know that was a day I mean it was nice I liked it because I'd get to have a bit of a look around where where people are (laughs) um it is more convenient doing it like this and I suppose we'll all just end up picking and choosing won't we what what bits sort of work well and what sacrifices we're able to make so i'd just like to ask everyone before we uh finish um if you um if you've had any spare time over the last year and then constantly trying to get the data while you kind of the remote care business while it's like really happening uh what do you like to do in your spare time and to unwind um well the last year is kind of uh <laughs> i feel like it hasn't been a very unwinding year um normally i I like to go to the gym obviously that's not really happened but I've booked my sessions to go back next week so I'm really excited about that um I really like swimming and that's been the hardest thing I think because um that's not possible to do any of that um whereas we've converted our garage into a gym um so that's been quite good although it's not quite the same as going to the actual gym um but at least it kind of gives us something um And I guess I, I used to run, <laughs> not not so much running's happened in the past year. I feel like everything's just kind of like <laughs> yeah. got, gone off the face of the earth. Um, but we've got, so we've got a puppy. She's not really a puppy anymore, um, but we've got a puppy just before lockdown. Oh, nice. um, so yeah, so she doesn't really know life, work life very well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my dog's gonna have the shock of her life when we're back to eight hours, eight hours a day out and about. Although she'll probably be glad to have her dog walk about. I think this is absolutely great. So that, as you heard from Courtney, there, the app's designed to improve self-management behaviours. 
It's a great resource containing all the information that patients may want and need, but in a format that they can so that they can access it at their own pace, um, in their own time, and even in the way that they like to consume media, be it by small instructional videos or documents to read, however they like it, the information is going to be there in a format that suits the patient. I'm really, really, really heartened to see just how patient-centric um, treatment is becoming. Um, and I think apps like this and like Kidney Beam that we did the episode on with Charlene Greenwood, they really speak to a, to a change in the culture whereby patients are able to consume uh, information about their condition in their own way. And, and, and this can only be a good thing. As covered there, there are aerobic exercise and strength training components to the physical activity programs. There are how-to sessions containing advice, information and different strategies. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen. As ever, this podcast is here for you. So if there are any topics or subjects that you think we should cover, please do get in touch using our Twitter handle, which is at KeepItRenal, or our Facebook page, which you can find by searching Keep It Renal Podcast. We're here for you. We're here to cover the topics that you want covering. So please do get in touch and give us any feedback that you may have. And with that, I will see you on the next one. Thank you very much.